be. So today uh, we are diving into Psalms 139. If you've got your Bibles, Psalms 139 is where we're going to go today. We're gonna, not going to be a ton of scriptures today. We're actually going to kind of stay. That's going to be our, our focal verse for the, for the evening. And I have a message that I've kind of been working on actually for about three weeks now, just in just devotional time and spending time with the Lord. And he's been uh, laying this scripture on my heart. And so I've just kind of been digesting it and trying to just make it practical for myself before I ever teach it to anybody. And thought it'd be a great message for the beginning of the year, especially as we're about to go into uh, seven days of prayer and fasting. For those that, uh, that don't know, starting Monday of next week, we'll kick off seven days of prayer and fasting. We do this every year. This January, we turn 17 years old as a church, and, uh, and so we've been doing this for a lot of years, set in the very beginning of January with seeking the Lord. Come on, how many know it's, it's a good thing to seek the Lord? It's a good thing to seek the Lord, and, and I don't know what your prayers are for 2017 or what your goals are or what you want in 2017, but I can tell you it's going to be a lot better if you involve Jesus in them. And so 2017 is just going to be a year that we just seek the Lord. I think we're going to take it up a notch in prayer. And so we're going to do seven days of prayer, uh, Monday through Friday, 6.30, a, a lot kind of like a, a, a first Wednesday service. So if you like tonight, just come back all next week, all week. You'll have church all week next week. So uh, Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 7.30, it'll be one hour exactly. We know you got kids in school, um, but we'll come in, we'll pray, we're going to have a little worship, and then uh, we're going to spend some time actually praying and really praying over your needs. This Sunday, we kick off the brand new series called um, Something's Gotta Change. I'm telling you right now, invite somebody. This will be a series you'll want to invite people to. You'll want to be at everyone. It's going to be great, and uh, it'll kind of transition us into the seven days of prayer and fasting. So um, today, I, I really feel like it's going to be kind of what I like to call kind of an anchor message. And what I mean by that is, how many of you just, if, if maybe you've been saved for a duration of time, maybe you haven't been saved for that long, but how many of you can look back over the course of your walk with God and say, man, there was one, two, maybe three messages that just stood out to you. And man, they have just been anchors in your life that you kind of just go back to and you think about those um, sermons. I, I believe tonight's sermon has the potential to be that for you, has the potential to be one of those messages that hopefully months and even years down the road, you can look back and go, man, that message was an anchor for me. And uh, that's my prayer today is that this will be one of those messages for you. I kind of pray that for every message, but specifically today, because we're going to be talking about this idea of prayer, and the title of today's message is called The Most Dangerous Prayer. The Most Dangerous Prayer. I believe, honestly, most of our prayers, when we talk about prayer, is they're a little too safe, honestly. I think a lot of our prayers are very safe. God, help me. God, just give me a job. God, help me pay my bills. God, I need a spouse. God, I need a date. <laughs> God, I, need, I mean, you just fill in the blank. God, I, I need transportation. God, protect us. You know, God, bless this food. Nourish our bodies as we stuff our face with Popeyes. Um, <laughs> come on, how many you know it's kind of hard to ask God, God, would you please bring nourishment to this body as I'm doing a Route 44 Dr. Pepper with an extra long cheese coney? How many know you're like, God, just fight every calorie? And he's like, just don't put that in your mouth. And so, but I can't resist. But we pray things like that, I think, all the time. A lot of our prayers seem to be a little too safe. 
Um, and, and honestly, I think a little too small. I think God wants us to pray big prayers. I think he wants us to believe for big things. I think he wants us to believe for miracles. I think he wants us to believe Ephesians 3.20, which says God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Come on, how many of you believe we serve a God who wants to do more than what we even think? That way, when it happens, we look back and go, God, you get all the credit for that. And so this is kind of one of those messages where I want us, I'm going to show you a new way to pray in 2017. And not that praying for a job or a spouse or for healing or whatever, any of those are bad. Continue to pray for all those things. I'm just going to show you a new way to pray this year that will guarantee you, listen to me, will guarantee God will answer it. How many of you have some prayers out there that God has not answered yet? Anybody in here? I got a couple of them. Today's prayer, God will guarantee he will answer every one of them. Y'all want to know what they are? All right. So that's what we're going to go today. I'm going to arm you with, and let me just say this up front. The prayer that I'm about to teach you how to pray is not a safe prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. And it will get you out of your comfort zone. So if you like your little comfortable little seat and your little thing, it's not you're not going to like me after this, okay? This is going to get you out. So uh, Psalms 139 is actually a prayer that David prayed. Um, He's actually on the run for his life. Enemies are chasing him. They're after him. Um, He's being falsely accused of so many different things. And, And instead of getting mad at the enemy, instead of getting mad at why God is all this happening to me, He just goes to the Lord with just this simple prayer. And it's only actually two verses. And I would actually very much encourage every person in this room to memorize these two verses. Um, It's going to be the outline for what I believe is the most dangerous prayer. And so let's read this verse together. Psalms 139, verse 23. It says this. It says, search me, O God, and know my, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting. Come on, that's some good stuff, huh? Search me, O God. I'm going to read it one more time, then we'll we'll dive into it. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. I'm going to give you four. I'm going to kind of break this prayer down into four parts, okay? We're going to make it real practical. We're going to break it down into four parts. You got them there on your notes. And, uh, and we're going to see what God does. Let's pray first. Let's pray before we talk about prayer. Father, we love you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a, a mind to perceive and a heart to receive all that you want to say today. God, we come for you and you alone. Lord, I pray that you make us more like you today. God, we open up your word. Thank you that your word is, uh, never returns void. So I pray as it goes forth, God, that it does all that it's set to accomplish to do tonight. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, here, let's, let's write down your first note. First thing that we're going to pray and ask God in the very beginning of this prayer is to search my heart. Search my heart. The first thing that we're going to pray, one part of this dangerous prayer, the first ingredient of this dangerous prayer is this idea of search my heart. Now, you may say, well, why would God ask to search my heart? I mean, he knows I'm a, I got a good heart, right? Well, I think one of the biggest lies, actually, that we believe in society is that we have a good heart. Have you ever heard that before? I've I've gone over to mom and dad's houses. Their sons are in jail. And I go and I sit down and counsel with them. And I say, man, what's going on? Man, listen, my son, he's in jail. Now, listen, he's got a good heart. Well, he's got such a good heart, he's in jail. 
He doesn't have a good heart, which actually, by the way, I just want you to know this. You have a, you have a very bad heart. You do not have a good heart. You are wicked. I am wicked. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We're actually, the Bible calls us enemies of God. Welcome to our Savior's Church, where I try to encourage you as a sinner, wicked enemy of God. But actually, let me just prove it to you. I'm going to let Bible do the... Do the proving. Jeremiah 17, 9, the human heart is most, what's that word? Deceitful, Deceitful of all things. And it is desperately. Okay, so listen, go ahead and take that. He's got a good heart and throw that out the window. Don't ever say that again, okay? We don't have good hearts. I mean, and, and the truth is, is your kids prove this to you, right? Did any of, the, did any of you train them to hit? or steal, or hold on, or take things. No, you did not have to train their wicked, evil hearts just as much as you didn't have to train your heart. Our heart is deceitfully wicked, and we deceive others, and we deceive ourselves. We are all liars, by the way. If you, if you lie, raise your hand. Okay, if you don't, if, look at the person who doesn't have their hand up and give them that, like, look, like, you are a liar. <laughs> you are a liar. Lie that you lie. We all lie. We don't, we, we do, we all lie. And I must tell you this, no one's lied to you more than you. <laughs> no one's deceived you more than you have. You've, you've been the biggest liar in your own life. Now, I know you hate that people lie to you, but you need to hate yourself in a sense because you lie to yourself more than anybody else does. You're, you are the lie. We, we say things all the time like, oh, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, I don't eat that much. Oh, oh y'all said that one before? Okay. <laughs> I'm only going to have one drink. I'm not full of pride. I can't help that I'm just better than everybody else. I don't lust. I just like fine things. I... Y'all ever said that? Okay, y'all said that over there? That's this section over here. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm not materialistic. I just need nice stuff, you know? We say these things over and over again, and you hear them, and they, they sound honestly like it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. We, and we, we, we portray that we're better than we actually are, but how many know God knows the truth? We're not as good as we think we are. We're just not. And, and, and the greatest thing that you can come to the realization is, is that you're not that good. And I'm sorry to tell you, but we, we have wicked hearts. We have sinful hearts, and we have, but thank God for Jesus. He comes in and he replaces that and he, and he changes that. And so the very beginning of our prayer, the very beginning of David's prayer is, God, just search me. Know my heart. Search my heart. Because, by the way, you're going to find out as we go into this Something's Got to Change series, you're going to find out that real quick, oftentimes we want everything around us to change except the one thing that's the problem, which is actually our heart. We want our circumstances, I'll, I'll have a whole message just dedicated to this idea, but we want our circumstances to change, we want relationships to change, we want everybody else's behavior to change, all in that revealing that actually our heart needs to change. And so the very beginning of this prayer has got to start with, God, just search my heart. What would it look like if you just began every morning with, God, search my heart? What about the end of the night, at the end of a long day? God, just search my heart. God, is there anything in my heart? That's not right today. Envy, greed, lust, impurity. God, is there something that's going on? Search it. It's like any of y'all been to the airport? You cannot get into a terminal without first going through 
The metal detector. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, before it was just a wand. And just pass on. Now, y'all have been there now? Now, I mean, literally, you, you, you have to go in and just hold yourself like this. And it's got that big 360 that goes around. And they're like, you got anything on you? Anything, anything you know, any bombs? Any, anything like that? No, no bombs. Um, and, then, and then all of a sudden, you come out and they're like, what's that? What's underneath that? You're like, what you talking about? That's my belly. What you talking about? That? And they're like, what's that? And it, it's like a pen or it's like something. We don't think that we have anything. But the metal detector reveals that there is actually something there. I'm going to tell you right now, you may think you're good, but you get into that, uh, that heart detector that Jesus has, and he'll real quick show you. There's some stuff. There's some areas there. So search my heart. Let me give you the second part of this. Reveal my fears. Reveal my fears. Look at this, look at this verse. Let's go back to it. So search my heart, O oh God, and know my heart. Now watch this. And test me and know my what? Know my anxious thoughts. Here's the question. What is it that makes you afraid? Okay, now I'm not talking about like Freddy Cougar afraid or like horror movies or things like that. Lindsay, one of the things I learned real quick getting married, you know, was a bachelor for a while. And I grew up with other brothers and sisters and Lindsay grew up with none of that. She's an only child. And so I grew up picking. We pick on each other. It's what you do when you have other brothers and sisters. But not, not when you're married, though. <laughs> so I would, so first year, first year, I, I would go into the shower with a big gallon pitcher of water that was ice cold. Yeah. <laughs> and just dump it right over. I only did it once. <laughs> That is the God honest truth. I've never done it again. Now, what I have done, though, is I have spooked her a number of times. Like, creep in. She calls me creeper because I, I creep in with my socks on where she can't hear me, and I'll watch her and, uh, like a stalker. And uh, there's been a couple of times where I've creeped up behind her, and I've gotten some feet, some hands. I've gotten some stuff in some bad places. <laughs> And, and so I'm, I'm lear I've learned my lesson, okay? We're 13 years in marriage. I find, I'm getting there. I'm not perfect, okay? Because no perfect people come to our Savior's church. So I'm still working on it. I still enjoy doing it. But the problem is I've trained all my boys now how to do it. And this is no lie. She will scream on the borderline of some obscenity. No, I'm joking. But she's almost knocked out one of my boys. And the crazy thing is now, like, they, they, sometimes they don't even mean to do it, but she's always, like, freaking. She's always looking. And she's, like, sliding the curtain open in the shower, making sure nobody's in there. And, uh, and so now we've just turned it all, and now we just do it to Judah. And so uh, I should have showed that video. That would have been hilarious. Judah, is, Judah loves singing in the shower. He was singing in the shower the other day, and I was in the shower filming him. Not filming him, but filming him singing. And then all of a sudden, he heard me, and he pulled back the shower. He's like, Dad, don't do that. Don't post that on Facebook. That's what he, that's what he really told me. So I'm not talking about that. When I talk about what are you afraid of, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about that type of fear. I'm talking about fears like, are you afraid of losing your job? Are you afraid of not getting married? Are you afraid of being stuck in a marriage that maybe you don't think will actually ever improve and get better? 
Are you afraid that you may get something? Are you afraid that you may lose someone? Are you, what are some real fears? Um, probably about five months ago, I had sat down in one of my devotional times with the Lord, and I was going through a, a, a passage of Scripture that talked about fear. And so I actually, in my journal, began to jot down all the things that I was actually afraid of. And not like spiders, rats, snakes, not that stuff. Like, real stuff. And I thought, you know, I'd just write down a couple, four or five. I wrote down 30. 30 things that I was scared of, that I was afraid of. And, and a lot of them honestly revolved around, um, man, I'm scared of failing. I'm scared of not being enough. Not smart enough. Not good enough. Not working hard enough. Not providing enough. Um, a lot of it revolved around even like my own identity. Um, like feeling inadequate. Um, fear of doing something and derailing our church. Um, like real legitimate fears. Fears that, that would cripple you. And, and here's the thing that I've learned about fear and the way the enemy uses fear. The enemy uses fear to paralyze you. Because if he can get you to fear something and paralyze you, you won't step out and do something because you're afraid of whatever that is. So if you're scared of failure, you won't try anything because you're scared that you'll fail. When do you actually end up failing anyways because you don't try anything? Y'all, y'all see how this works? Or if you fear of not being good enough or you fear of people pleasing, which I've, had a, I've really struggled with a lot, wanting to please people and be there for people and help people, but, but at the same time sacrificing other things to try to do that. And if you do that, you're going to end up compromising in areas. And so this fear thing's a real big deal. And, and, and part of David's prayer is, God, not only search my heart, but I want you to test me. And here's how I want you to test me. I want you to test me to see if there's any anxious thoughts in me. Is there anything that's in me that's fearful, that I'm afraid of? God, I hope I don't lose this. God, I hope I don't do this. If, is there any of that? Because here's what you do. Where we fear the most is where we trust God the least. What we fear the most is where we trust God the least. So if it's, I don't know if we're going to have enough money. You know what? You, then undoubtedly, you trust your ability to make the money and God not to provide the money. Man, I, I might, might lose this job. I might lose my, my spouse. I might lose my, my kids. And everybody's healthy. Everybody's good. But there's just this overwhelming fear, maybe because of other people that you're around or things that you've seen that's happened. And it becomes this overwhelming fear. And it becomes debilitating to the point where some people don't even leave their house because they're so fearful of things. And David says, God, know my anxious thoughts. If there's anxious thoughts, God, show that to me. Reveal it to me. Help me. Help me to see that. What would it be if in 2017, when we wanted to get anxious, we wanted to get worried, we wanted to get, we got fearful that we would just go to the Lord and go, God, know my thoughts. God, here's, here's my thoughts. The Bible says, actually, there's nothing wrong with having these thoughts as long as you bring them to the Lord. Cast all your cares upon me, all of your worries on me. Why? Because I care for you. This is what God says. Give me all your worries. It's okay. We, we did a whole message months back on worry and talked about he is the ultimate worrier. He's, he, he can do the worrying for you. Just give it all to him. So he reveals my fears. Here's the third part of this prayer. So search my heart, reveal my fears. And number three, this one's a hard one. Uncover my sin. Uncover my sin. 
Let's look at this verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now look at this. Point out anything in me. Now I want to stop there. We'll deal a lot more with this in, in the change series. But I just want you to notice that David's got people coming after him. David's got enemies coming after him. David's got people that are accusing him of things that he shouldn't be doing, that he isn't really doing. He's being misjudged and abused. And notice his prayer is not, God, deal with them. He says, God, point out anything that's in me. How many know we're real quick to want to point out in other people? He says, point out anything in me that... Now watch this, that offends you. God, if there's something that's in me that offends you, I want you to tell me. Have you ever noticed it's easy to find out and point out everybody else's sin, but you can't point out your own? We're really, really good at accusing others and excusing ourselves. They get the accusation and we get the excuse. They did the exact same thing, you did the exact same thing Then they did, but they get accusation and you get, well, I did that because, and you fill in the blank. We say things, I just wrote a couple things down. Well, I just have to do this, you don't understand. Or this is, this is how I get through this. Or it's not that big of a deal. Or it's none of your business. Or don't judge me. Nobody's ever said that one, right? Don't judge me. So this prayer is, God, point out anything in me that offends you. So here's three questions I want to give you that are going to really help you become self-aware. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to be a leader, if you really want to be used by God, you've got to be self-aware. Now there will be times, and it's really great that you have people in your life and you need people in your life that can point out things to you, and that's vital because we all deceive ourselves. But you've also got to become self-aware. You've got to know when things are not going right. So let me give you three questions. Here are three questions you can ask yourself just to make sure that you are self-aware. Here's the first one. What are others trying to tell me? What are others trying to tell me? <laughs> Do you have some people in your life that absolutely love you and they have been trying to tell you, you need to not date that guy. He is a loser. Get away from him. Stop it. Or, hey, I'm telling you, you need to watch out for this. I'm tell this, is, this is an area that could go really bad for you. Or whatever it is. But is, are there people in your life that love you enough to tell you the truth? And if they are telling you the truth, the question is, are you listening to them? Are you listening to them? So when it, uh, Listen, if a good friend comes and they love God and they love you and they tell you the truth, don't push them away. Pull them in. That's a real friend, by the way. Y'all know that, right? But we like to bring in people that tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. What we do is, from the people that we need to hear it from, they tell us the truth, and we go, get out of my life. Don't judge me. You don't know. Your kids are crazy, too. <laughs> right? Yeah, this is what we do. We evaluate because they point out our sin. We feel like now i got to point out theirs because it makes my sin go down a little bit. That's how it works. And so what we do is we end up stiff-arming and pushing those people away, and we invite all these people in that are like, oh, you're fine. Don't listen to them. I mean, those are those church people. They don't know what they're talking about. I mean, they just want to rule you, and they want your money. That's all they want. I'm going to tell you, I'm, listen, this is no lie. This happens all the time. Do you have people? What are others trying to tell you? Here's question number two. 
What have I rationalized for some time? So what is it that's in your life that you have justified in some way for a while? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, man, I got a handle on it. Oh, dude, I can fix that. Man, I can fix this. This is good. I got this, man. It's not that big of a deal. I know everybody's making out a big deal. It's not a big deal. I can handle this. I can fix this all myself. Hey, we don't have no problem. What is it that's in your life that you've just rationalized over time? You've continually find a way to justify that. And here's number three. Where am I most defensive? So what is it that when somebody or anything kind of gets around it, you get angry? I don't want to talk about that. Hey, I said we weren't dealing with that. Why do you keep bringing that up? Whatever it is that you start getting really defensive about or aggressive about or vocal about, that's probably an area that God's wanting to change. I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens. That's okay. That's all right. This is good. This is good stuff. I'm trying to help you though. Come on. These are three questions that will help you become self-aware. What is it that people that love you have been talking to you about? What is it that you keep rationalizing? And what is it that you, be, you're, you are so defensive about? Whatever those things are, whatever that is, is probably an area God's trying to change. And you need to be open to listening to those people that love you the most that are telling you those things. Because if you surround yourself with people that only tell you what you want to hear, eventually those will be the only people that will be in your life. I, I you know, I, I, and listen, I'm, as a pastor, I don't, I'm not above this. I'm not above this. Pastor Bob, Miss Tracy, I've sat in their office and they've spoke very truthfully to me. Both of them. Josh, this is an area that we're concerned about. You're doing this. You need to be watching out for this. We love you, but we love you too much to let you keep doing this. You need to stop this. Listen, I've been here for 16 years. Don't think that I haven't been spanked <laughs> multiple times. Listen, you know what? But the Bible says the Lord disciplines whom he loves. Amen. So any, any parent that doesn't discipline their children honestly doesn't love them. We're not talking about spanking. We can get into that. We'll do that when we go into parenting later on, okay? But come on, we're just talking about discipline. If you love somebody, you discipline them. You say, no, you can't do that anymore because I love you. Y'all with me here? And God loves you so much that he puts you in a church that won't let you stay where you are that will push you, that will say, don't stay in that dysfunction. Don't stay in that depression. Get out of that. You're better than that. God's got something for you. Get away from that punk. He's just a scrap. Get away from him. God's got somebody really for you. Come on. How many of you glad for some people who speak some truth into your life? Which, by the way, that is why life groups are so important. This is why we do life groups in this church. If you're not a part of a life group, in February we'll launch a whole bunch of new ones. Get involved in one. The whole reason we do life groups is so you don't do life alone and you got a number of people where you can go in a group and say, it was a bad week. I screened up my kids all week. Can someone please pray for me? Because I have to go home. And I need Jesus. Oh, is that only me? Oh, okay. All right. All right. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is, this is a huge area in our life. It, this, is, this is why life groups are important. This is why you need to get plugged into Next Step. This is why you need to get plugged in with people. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. Now, I want you to listen to me very closely, especially those that are here that are maybe new to the faith. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. So many, if you've been raised, especially like in a Catholic background or something, you know about confession. 
You know, you'll go to a priest and confess, and it's a, this opportunity for you to get forgiveness and absolvement and all that. Well, you, by the way, you don't need a priest to do it. You can go directly to God. Jesus has already forgiven you. We go to the Lord and say, God, Lord, I confess my sins for what I've done. I'm sorry for my attitude towards my wife. I'm sorry for... And so we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. Now watch this, though. James chapter 5 says, though, that we confess our sins. It's not in your... I know you're looking in your notes, James. Thinks it. <laughs> I have a scripture that's not in your notes. But James chapter 5 says that we confess our sins one to another so that we will be healed. So we can confess our sins to God and get forgiveness, but you don't get healing until you confess it to other people. So we get into a life group and we go, hey, listen, I've already confessed this to God. Man, I screened at my kids, cussed out my kids this week. I know the Lord forgives me, but I need to tell somebody because this can't keep happening. And I really need a change in this area. Man, can you really help me? Man, I see, man, you're, you're a mom who's calm. Can you give me some tips? Can you help me out? Can you direct me to how it, can you pray with me? Pray for me, come on. So we, we confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others for healing. That's why there's some areas in your life that are not healed yet because you've only confessed it to God, but you haven't confessed it to somebody. So there's still a wound there, okay? And so this is an area where we say, God, search my heart. God, reveal my fears. God, uncover my sin. And here's the thing. When God begins to uncover your sin and he reveals to you how wicked your heart is and you go, whoa, I'm pretty bad. <laughs> here's the cool thing, though. It just points you back to Jesus. And you just go to Jesus and Jesus goes, I got that. That's all good. Don't worry about that. We're going to fix that. I loved you anyways. By the way, I already knew that. It wasn't like you went to God and go, God, look at my junk. And he's like, <gasps> I take back everything I did. Not for you. You're out. Too bad. No, he doesn't do that. Actually, when you go to God, he's like, finally, it's about time. I already knew all this. I'm just waiting for you to figure it out. And so he comes and he gives us a new heart. So God, search my heart. God, search our hearts. God, reveal our fears. God, uncover our sin so that we can be more like you. And here's the last one. We'll wrap it all up. Direct my steps. Direct my steps. Let's, let's go back to the verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And now watch this. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, a lot of our prayers, this Sunday we're going to have a chance for you to write down prayers and things that you're, you want to pray for in 2017, maybe things you need right now. And what I've noticed is that most people's prayers are for them or for someone they love. And yet again, that's not bad. It's not a bad thing. But I've noticed most prayers will be revolved around, you know, God, heal my grandma. God, help me get into this school. God, help me find a job. God, help me find a date. God, I mean, just whatever. God, I need money. God, I, and, it's, and it's usually revolved around what we need. I want to change this, though, for you, okay? This prayer, though, says, lead me along the path of everlasting. So here's how I want to change your prayer. It's okay to be praying for things that you need. God says, hey, come to me if you need it, come. But I, I want to change one little thing. Instead of asking, allowing God to say, what do you need? Why don't we go to God and go, God, what do you need? How about let's pray a prayer that says, God, what can I do for you? Oftentimes our prayer is what God can do for us. 
But what if we just change it up a little bit and we say, God, what can I do for you? I call this the prayer of availability. God, could you direct me? Could you lead me? God, what, where do you want to go? Where, where, do you, where do you want to be? God, show me where you want to go. Now, anybody that knows me, if you've, if you've driven with me or you've followed me, you would know that you don't want to follow me. Um, anytime we're going to some place and, and there's a caravan of people, they don't like me to lead because I don't, I don't obey the speed limit. Um, that's, and and I, I, I take lefts quickly and take rights quickly and take exits quickly and people cuss me out on the way and... I'm just not, I'm not good. I'm not good in that. Lindsay would be like, you know people are following us, right? I'm like, not anymore. <laughs> so I'm not the best when it comes to, to the driving side. I'm work, 2017, I'm working on it. This is a New Year's resolution for me. Get better at being following in a car. But I just want you to know God doesn't lead that way. He doesn't lead like me. He doesn't be like, hey, I'm going. You better hurry up. Come on, let's hurry, let's go. You stay on my tail. Let's. I love the way God leads it. The Lord is a shepherd, and he just, he just guides with us. Just come walk with me. Here, we're going to go this way. Let's go. He's got a little staff, and he kind of just leads us along the way, and he, he comes. He doesn't get so far ahead of us where we can't, where are you at? He's just right there. He's a couple steps away, and he just invites us to come along with him, and he, and he just so graciously leads us. If we just pray, God, God, would you lead me? God says, absolutely. I'd love to. God, just, would you just direct my steps? And here's the thing I want you to understand, though. When you pray this prayer, this, this is actually, I think, one of the most dangerous parts of this prayer. Because not, after you've done the searching of your heart, after you've done the revealing of your fears, after you've done the uncovering of our sin, and all that's happening, and now you get into this part of, God, you lead me along the path of everlasting life. How I many you know God will lead you to places that you didn't really want to go? Like when he tells his disciples, like, hey, get in the boat, go the other side. They were like, okay. Well, what they didn't know is that they were about to get into the storm of their life. And I love the Gospels. Because they are freaking. Freaking out. Trying to row, trying to get water out the boat. And the Bible says, you can go read it for yourself. Jesus was just straight up walking on the water. Watching them. Watching them. Just looking at them freaking out and everything, and they're like, it's a ghost. And then finally one of them's like, maybe that's the Lord, I don't know. And so they call out to the Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out. And of course, Peter gets out, God, we have all that encounter of what happens. But who sent them in the boat? Jesus. Wait, hold on, who, who sent them in the boat? Jesus, Jesus did. Did Jesus know there's going to be a storm? Yes. You telling me Jesus would intentionally send them into a storm? Yeah, you're right. Some of the storms that we're in, God sends us. You know why? Because we just prayed a prayer, test me and know my anxious thoughts. So he says, oh, you want me to test you? Let's go through this storm. Let's see where you put your hope. Oh, it was in the boat? Oh, sorry, wrong hope. That boat don't float. And so step on out. Come on, look, look. Hey, by the way, I walk on these waters. I walk on these waters. These waters you're freaked out about, I walk on them. Just want to let you know. And, and at any moment, I can tell these things to stop, which, by the way, he gets in the boat and he says, stop. And he goes, Psh! and they're like, he must be the Messiah. 
Yes, he must be. The God who created the waves controls the waves, which by the way, every wave that you're going to go through in 2016, there's a God who walks on them. 2017, I say 16? I'm still, see, I'm still trying to cross out that six and go to seven. Come on. This is an opportunity. God, test us and know our anxious thoughts, but God, lead me. Maybe God's going to lead you to go to a different city. Maybe he's going to lead you to stay at the job that you thought he was going to tell you to leave at. Maybe he's going to call you to, to lead a life group this semester. Maybe he's leading you to jump on a dream team for the first part. Maybe he's leading you to join the church. I've never joined a church. Maybe he's going to lead you to go share Jesus with your neighbor or your coworker or somebody or, God forbid, maybe even a family member that you don't even want to talk to. Or maybe he's going to lead you to go say you're sorry to somebody that you've been needing to say you're sorry to for decades and you haven't done it. But when we ask God to lead us, he's going to lead us into some places that you probably are not going to like. If you look all throughout the Old Testament, God called different men. Jonah, he called Jonah and said, Jonah, you're going to go. You're going to go send my message to Nineveh. And Jonah says, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. I'm not going. Jumps on a boat, goes a whole other direction. We know God, anyway, when God calls you, he calls you. So he's getting you no matter what. You can run from him, but... Jesus has this amazing ability to have this location tracker. He knows where you're at. Anyways, Jonah eventually does it. Moses, God calls Moses. Says, Moses, you're going to go and free my people. You're going to say, let my people go. And Moses says, here I am, Lord, but I can't talk. Send somebody else. And there's some of you, I think this year, God's going to lead you to do something, and you're going to go, God, I'm not qualified for this. I can't do this. I don't know enough. I don't, whatever. You fill in the blank with whatever you, I can't do this because. And God's going to go, I don't care about that. I'm still calling you to do it. And then there's a guy named Isaiah. And God calls him. And Isaiah's response is way different than Jonah's and way different than Moses. And we're going to read it in Isaiah 6 verse 8. It says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as I go as a messenger to these people? Who's going to go for us? Now watch this. And Isaiah says, here I am. Say it out loud. Send me. I want you to notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, here I am, Lord, where are you sending me? Here I am, Lord, how are the benefits? Here I am, Lord, what's the weather like where I'm going? Here I am, Lord, what's all the details on exactly what's going to do when I get there? He just says this, God, you asked? Let's go. That's all I need. If you called me, let's do it. Let's go do it. He signed a contract that was blank. And he said, God, here I am, send me. And God got to fill in the contract after he already signed it. What does it mean to be led by God? Let me, let me just give you a, a real simple sentence that describes what it means to be led by God. Any thought that comes into your mind that encourages you to do something that shows the love for God, that shows love for God and people. I'm going to say it again. Any thought that comes into your mind that encourages you to do something that shows love for God and people, do that. Y'all ever had this just burden just to pray for somebody? 
Like they're just on your heart. You're like, where'd that come from? I haven't even talked to that person in years or I, I don't even know that person. Or, and you just, God, I just, or God gives you something to say to somebody and you're like, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I don't, and God just says, yes, yes. You need to tell them that. You need to tell them that. You need to tell them that. Or he tells you, hey, go pay for their meal. And you're like, but I barely have any money. So go pay for their meal. Or whatever it is. I, I don't know what it is, but the leading of the Lord is simply when God just puts somebody or something on your heart and you have a desire to want to obey God and love them, just go do that. I tell our team all the time, if, if God puts anybody on your heart, you better stop what you're doing and text them, call them, message them. Just reach out to them because undoubtedly they need you in that moment. And you don't have to know what they're going through. You can just simply say, I'm just praying for you right now. And you would be surprised at how many people I've had go, you don't even know how that was so timely in a moment in my life. And God uses his people to minister to his people. So what would it look like in 2017 if our prayer wasn't just, God help me, God do this for me, God bless me. What if it was, God, what can I do for you? And God, wherever you want me to go, send me. And whoever you want me to talk to, God, I'll talk to. And God, wherever you want to lead me, lead me. I will follow you wherever you want to go. And if it's in a place that's absolutely uncomfortable, I will be scared. But I will believe that Psalms 23 says that you are with me even in the valley. Come on, this is a year where we're going to step outside of our comfort zones and do things and be led by God to do stuff we've never done before. And I'm going to tell you this, this isn't a one-time decision because here's what I know. If you don't know this already, you are at a war between your flesh and your spirit. Your flesh is you, that heart that kind of wants to go back to its own things, and you have the spirit of God inside of you, and they're at war. And so this decision has to be made every day to be led by God. Because how many know every day you could be led by your flesh? Or you could be led by your spirit. So the question is, how do you win that war? Well, which, whichever one you feed grows and whichever one you starve dies. So if I wake up every morning consumed with my own self, I'm going to feed that one and my flesh will lead. But if I wake up every morning and go, God, today I crucify myself. I lay myself down. God, I'm all yours. Whatever you want to do today. God, I lay my attitude before you, my mind, my thoughts. God, I submit them all to you today. God, you're worthy of all praise and all glory. No matter what happens today, God, I want to honor you with my lips and with my mouth. God, would you search me? Would you know me? Would you see if there's any anxious way? Would you uncover any sin that's in my life? And ultimately, God, would you lead me on the path of everlasting life? Because I want to go where you're going. And wherever you're going, I want to be there. And wherever you're not, I don't want to be there. Come on, how many, how many would think 2017 might change a little different if we woke up with an attitude of, God, you just lead me. Where you go, I go. Let's read this one more time. Psalms 139. And let's do this. I want you to close your eyes right there where you are. And let's make this the prayer tonight. So I'm going to read it. And you're going to listen. You're going to let the Lord speak. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Father, right now we invite you in this moment to drown out all the noise. All the noise that's gone on this week, all the other voices that we've heard. God, 
maybe even our own voice because it always seems to be the loudest. And God, we invite your voice in this moment to be the loudest. So Holy Spirit, would you speak? God, search our hearts. Search our hearts. God, we love you. While you got your eyes closed, I want to read this last verse. It says, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. But instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus, in this moment, we do as Paul said, and we die to ourselves. Lord, it's no longer about us. John chapter 3, verse 30, God, is another prayer of ours, less of me and more of you. God, maybe for some people this week, it's, it's been a lot of them. Or maybe there's been some, some attitudes that weren't pleasing to you. Maybe there was some, some words that were said that were not pleasing to your ears. Maybe there was some thoughts that were thought. God, maybe some actions. God, we thank you today, God, Lord, that the blood of Jesus on that cross covers our guilt, our shame. Thank you that it covers it. Thank you that what you did on the cross wipes it clean. And I thank you today, God, that as people in Christ, we stand before you blameless and holy, loved by you, adopted in your family. And so, God, we can come to you, Lord, not, not begging, but just as a child comes to a father. God, confessing our sins before you, asking your forgiveness. But, God, even maybe today confessing our sins to a brother or sister or someone that's in here just to get healing in this area. Gotta pray you give boldness. Lord, we know these aren't easy prayers. But I gotta pray, Lord, that this would be a week, that this would be a new prayer in our life. Search me, test me, know me, lead me, guide me. In Jesus' name.